welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Well, praise the Lord. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for this week's Streams in the Desert. I'm joined today with Pastor Ham Sermons, Pastor Stephen McBride from Cork Church, and our special guest today, who we've been waiting for for a long time, Pastor Gary Willikusin, coming from the very early hours of the morning in Colorado <laughs> Springs, Colorado. Great to have you with us today, Gary. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm awake, and I'm grateful to be with, with you, my brothers, and uh, those listening there in Ireland, uh, thrilled to be back with you. Sorry I can't be there personally. I miss the, the beauty of the country and the beauty of the people and the beauty of, of God's church there. Uh, but it's nice to be with you here on this call. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. I know it's been a very unearthly more, uh, time of the day to be getting you up. Uh, <laughs> you, you were just fresh out of the shower there about 10 minutes ago. I know that <laughs> you're telling me. But uh, thank you for taking the time for being with us. We we'll, we'll love uh, having fellowship with you. And it's been a very strange year for everybody, of course, you know, being apart, not able to renew the contacts that we've had in house fellowships and stuff. How have you been dealing with this whole uh, pandemic on your side of the water? Well, uh, you know, any, any of us that have a heart after God and uh, a pastor's heart, we are hurting for uh, people that have lost loved ones. We are hurting for those who are living in fear. So that part of my pastoral heart is. This is very, very concerned about the situation globally. The personal part of me, uh, I'm an introvert and I'm a bookworm and I love to read and write. Uh, probably one of my life scriptures would be, uh, you know, uh, Paul, uh, the scripture about being separated for prayer and ministry of the word. Uh, that's really my heart. So it has not been too difficult. Uh, you know, our offices are closed down. We have about uh, 40 staff members here at World Challenge in the United States. And our offices have been closed uh, for a good part of that time. Uh, right now, we're I think we're back about 25. percent uh, But uh, you know, through through these type of um, opportunities, uh, you know, live streaming, uh, video conferencing, we're we're able to stay in touch to some degree, leadership wise. But yeah, uh, plugging in. But you know, it's it's been uh, it's been harder on a lot of others than it's been on on my wife and I. Although we had we actually had. Uh, uh, the coronavirus. We we both came down with it, and we're quite sick uh, for three weeks. And uh, I still I still have a little bit of a chest uh, congestion. If I cough here, you'll have to excuse me. I don't have a mute button, but uh, um, and my wife lost her sense of smell and taste. So uh, I was I was I was you know probably like you, Nick. That would be the one thing that we'd want the Lord to leave with us. Uh, you know, I bet. Lord, give me, if I'm going to have coronavirus, please make sure I have my sense of taste and smell, please. Uh, oh, absolutely. And did she get it back? Not yet. No, it's been about two oh, months. Wow. Still, still without it. Wow, I didn't realize it was that you got you got quite a quite a dose of that COVID. Then it's not. You, most of the people I know over here got very very mild doses. They didn't even really they, they tested positive, but. They got through it pretty okay. A lot of our pastors here, we were all convinced that we got it at different stages because of the manifestations, but didn't have actual tests, you know, at the time. And so uh, but we must pray now that Kelly does come through that and she does, because is it possible that she may not recover from this? Is, is that is that is that a possibility from COVID? It's uh, unlikely. They, uh, I think the average time is, if you lose your taste, is about two months. And so she's uh, she may be a week or two away from... Being able to join me for some good fish and chips again. Uh-huh. Oh, you better you better believe it. Yeah, I just had some yeah. yesterday. Would you believe it? But you know, you know the two guys on screen. You know Hamp there, and you know Stephen from Summerfar. You know Hamp for years, of course, because he was uh, part of the family with World Challenge, ordained with World Challenge, and at the Bible school there for many years. And you know Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Yeah. As well, he's a worship leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're we're excited to have you on, Gary. Thank you. We're happy to be here. I- I don't know if all screens that are watching this have the same configuration as I do, but I, on my screen, I noticed the two Americans are on the bottom part of the screen. You guys keep talking. Uh, conspiracy. 
You guys quit yeah, in that scripture, you're the head and not the tail, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, gonna, yeah, it's true, Hamp. He's gonna start a whole new conspiracy theory here online. Right. I, I mean the Christians can be blamed for a lot of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. If if possible, we would put hamp on top there if possible. But I do it's yeah. uh tell me Gary, um you know, this uh, I'm just talking before this this um broadcast and um there's a you you've gone through your fair fair tragedy and disappointments you've been in the ministry now what over 40 odd years how long have you been ministering 40 odd years 42 years yeah so you've had many mountain experiences and valley experiences because not only are you your pioneering pastor you're also a missionary a lot of people don't realize that you and kelly uh, went as missionaries to the UK, and so you, in in your forty two years of ministries, you've seen many highs, lows, many tragedies, many difficult times. Where I'm sure you thought it was the worst day of your life. Um, I know it's been that way with me. But how how have you, what things have you learned just before we get into the substantive conversation about this book that you're writing? But what are, what are some things that maybe you can just put out to to some of the people watching that are going through both tragedies and disappointments? And how did you manage to navigate some of those areas in your own life? Yeah, we we've sort of uh, run the spectrum on we sort of run the spectrum on suffering and difficulties in life. Everything from the loss of a child at childbirth uh, to within uh, a year's time losing both parents to being in a car accident that I wasn't sure I'd be able to walk. Uh, my back was broken, uh, two two vertebrae shattered and uh, you know, hospitalized for a while and uh, several surgeries. Uh, then coming out of that, uh, they did a full body scan when they were doing the back surgery and they found out that I had a lump in my throat and it ended up being cancerous. So you know, from, from head to tail and from birth to parents, uh, you know, things were, things were, uh, difficult to uh, maneuver through, to, through, to process, to understand what was taking place in all these things around the same time, um, facing some very severe church difficulties. I, I know all of us that are pastors have been through my father, even at Times Square church went through a season where he was being falsely accused. Uh, 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 and um, the church lost in, I think, in one Sunday, 300 people uh, left the church. Uh, I, I experienced that as well. So there's that kind of relational ministry suffering, family suffering, financial suffering, mm -hmm. physical suffering. You, you know, you, uh, you don't you don't escape it. <clears throat> you can pretend it's not there. You can hide. You can you can put it in the background and never mention it to your congregation. Or uh, you know, if you're in the ministry, you could keep claiming and uh, huh. confessing that you don't have uh, sickness, that you don't have sorrow, that you don't have suffering, that you don't have loss. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if, even if you know, when you've been in ministry for a while and done a lot of leadership conferences, you end up meeting a lot of leaders, some of them who are these ones who are, are in that positive confession world, word of faith movement. You know, and they're saying just, you know, there's no troubles. Or, you know, God is... God's goodness, make sure you're always happy and healthy and wealthy and well-blessed and your children are always functioning in a high level of academically and professionally. But you, when you get to know their, their backstory that they don't tell the public, they also have, have, have had diseases and marriage problems and children or prodigals, all kinds of difficulties. So, uh, yeah, we all, we, all, we all suffer. We all face hardship. And uh, it's it's not easy at all, and so so that's that's sort of my story. I don't know if you want me to go in right into how I how I process that, or you know, it, it would just just maybe give some of the tools or maybe some of the processes that you had to go through because I think you're absolutely a lot of people watching you would think that somehow you're in some some ivory tower because you're part of a large ministry a very famous Christian family and uh, that somehow sickness and, 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 and difficulties have never been at your doorstep. So I think it's fantastic for people to hear the reality of that uh, because I think now people can actually more identify because we are, all of us are a feet of clay and we all have, we're all human. And we, we have these moments and I, I think even where in your mind you went to and how to process through, because I think right now there's people listening and there will be people listening all week to this broadcast and this was going to strike a chord with them. How, when when it comes to our door, which it is now, how did you 
get through. You mean the sudden loss of parents, the cancer. I know you lost a niece as well. That was a horrible time in your family. And and so, because I know a lot of the backstories that there's been a lot of difficulties in the homes. And despite that, you had to, and you have come through with a testimony. Just give them a little bit of hope today before we go on to what is going to be our great topic today, the attributes of God. But just maybe something you've learned. I know maybe I've put you on the spot with this one because um, it's a long answer possibly, but take as, take as long or short as you wish. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the time on, on this because it is not a, it, it's not a pun. It's not a, it's not a, um, a, a simple little quote that you share with somebody. Uh, it's not even one scripture verse. You know, a lot of times we as Christians, when somebody's suffering, we, you know, say, well, all things work together for good. You know, it's like yeah. you want to punch them in the yeah. face at the time when you're suffering because it's, uh, yeah. it doesn't feel yeah. like it's together for good. Uh, but, but for me, it has to do with how I have wrongly interpreted scripture. Um, t- t- taking scriptures like, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, well, that, you know, if it's preached to us as, You'll never get sick. You'll never have marriage problems. You'll never have face any difficulties. If those are the weapons that are formed against us and we end up in a divorce and we end up having cancer and we end up having prodigal children and we end up having financial troubles, then we go, what's wrong with me? Because these weapons are prospering against me. Um, And so I have to I have had the Lord through suffering sort of reintroduce scripture to me in, in a new light. Uh, not in a weaker light or in a compromised light, but in a much, much stronger light, a much more profound light, and I believe a much more godly light, a God-centered view of Scripture. So, for instance, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Uh, you know, you picture these fiery darts coming at you. You, pic- you picture an enemy with a sword, and it, doesn't, it says that weapon won't prosper. Well, it doesn't say it might not strike your shoulder and, and pierce you. It doesn't say it might not cut at your leg and you're limping the rest of your life. Those, but but the the lack of the prospering of the of the those enemies that have formed against us is what happens after you've been struck. Mm-hmm. You, I, so for me, here I am, 43 years later, and I'm still walking. I'm still Hallelujah. Walking, I'm still preaching. <laughs> I'm still praying. I'm still studying my scripture. I'm still loving my wife. I'm still seeing miracles take place. I'm still seeing the word of God coming alive. I'm still uh, like I have the shield in front of me and, and I'm getting cut and I'm getting beat and I'm getting spit on, but I'm keep moving ahead and ahead and ahead. I'm, making, I'm making strides of progress. I'm, I'm, I'm delving into things that God has for me that, that I had I'd never imagined to have done in my life. Uh, and so a lot of that came through a lot of that came through if if I had not suffered, if I had not faced hardship, I would have not seen God in the light I see him now. And, and I, I don't think he would have done the work in my life that, that he's done. And so when I look back on all these things, you know, it, it is, it's worth it all. Uh, Hallelujah. These, the scripture says these temporary light afflictions, you know, they're, they're temporary and they're light. They seem long lasting and, and they seem more, you know, the opposite of light. They seem heavy. But that's not what God says about them. They're temporary and light. We have to believe God's word and not our feelings. We feel they're lasting forever and they're heavy. God says they're temporary and they're light. But only when you compare them to the eternal glories that we'll, we'll receive. And so it has to be an eye towards a greater glory than what we're facing here on earth. And unfortunately, the church, I don't know how it is in Ireland, but I, and I don't mean to badmouth the church at all, but the church in America is very worldly. Uh, it's it, it is almost the chaplain, the the religious mouthpiece for uh, the um, the health, wealth, uh, the American dream, the the idea of um, just you know make make everything work for you by your own bootstraps. Uh, you know that's the American mentality, and, and instead of the church. Here, confronting worldliness and saying, "Take your eyes off the world, put your eyes on Jesus." We've actually joined the club and become the chaplain and said, "Okay, if you want your best life now, then come to church and we'll teach you how to get it. If you want to be healthy and wealthy and have uh, a good-looking mm-hmm. wife, kids that have, you know, all go to Ivy League colleges, then 
come to our church and we'll give you the principles to teach you how to do that. Well, the problem is we sit under that kind of teaching for five, 10 years and you're still suffering and you're still not getting the raise and you're still not the business you started failed. Uh, and you've got sickness and you can't tell anybody in your church or they'll say it's a negative confession. Uh, then you're going to, you're going to have a hard time with God because, because ultimately the, the process usually is uh, you, you, you blame your lack of understanding. And so you, you see search scripture for better truth. Then you blame your faith. Then you blame the, the movement you're in because it's not working. Then you blame yourself. I'm just not a good enough Christian. I don't have strong enough faith. Ultimately, I believe most of these people end up blaming God. God, you didn't. Your promises didn't come true. Yeah, you've not been faithful, uh, and so many people leave the church. Uh, in America, they're leaving by by the scores. Uh, you know, we're down to I think you know we're, we're probably higher than you are in Ireland, but we're still. The trajectory is we'll be joining you very soon. Uh, of a society of a of a of a church of a, a people that have no concern for the church at all. Uh, they yeah. tried it and it didn't quote unquote work. And it, it's wow. uh, and so there has to be a re, uh, we almost have to reteach the people of God or, or those seekers that are coming to, uh, we have to reteach them what scripture means in things like, uh, you know, uh, I, I came to give you life and life more abundant. So if you yeah. think that life means, a bigger house and a better car and uh, always uh, on top of the world. And every morning you wake up peppy and bursting with joy. Uh, mm -hmm. If that's your definition of abundant life, then you wake up and you're, you know, you just feel down and you feel like, man, this is just mm -hmm. a hard day. And people are accusing you falsely. And you're, there's division in your home. You go like, well, Jesus, you said you'd give me abundant life. And I define abundant life as always happy, always getting what I want. There you then, go. Then my definition and God's, you know, if I define it that way, then God's promises are not true. Mm. He doesn't give me abundant life. He doesn't keep me from all harm. Uh, and so I've had to learn to, these sufferings have taught me to, to define scripture in a way that, again, as I'm repeating myself, but yeah. uh, as more, uh, I see God more now holy. I see him more pure. I see him more true. I see him more perfect in all his glories. Uh, I see him as more wise. His wisdom, if he had done it my way, uh, I would have not had cancer. I would have not had a car wreck. But I would not be um, as, as – I have a long way to go, but I'm a little further along now because of these things. And I know all, all three of you guys on line with me here right now, where I can see your pictures. I know some uh -huh. of your stories, and I know, I, I know your sufferings, and I know your hardships, but I know that uh, – I mean, like the old song says, through it all, through it all. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Trust in God. And I see that in you guys. When I'm with you, I know I'm with men and your wives and spouses and friends and children. You're with, you know, people who along with you have learned to trust in God. And you have a church there in Cork that, is, that has learned to trust in God through the difficulties. You, Your church started in an environment of hostility. And yeah. obviously you... You, you learn quickly, even probably faster than I did, what it's like to go through difficulty and yet trust God and believe that he's good through it all. You know, I like before I bring the other two guys in there, I like what you said because, you know, you have this, uh, you want to get God to agree with your agenda. I mean, that's the whole, that's the issue where we're so faulty. It's like the old song, I, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of Jesus, he knows me and he knows I'm right, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I, I, I've been speaking to Jesus all my life. They were the words of the songs. And it's like, we want to get God to agree with our perspective on how things should yeah. look. And we miss the eternal, we miss that we're on a transient journey into something that's far greater weight of glory and we have to unlearn how to look at life through the natural lens and see it through God's perspective and then we start to we start to we start to arrive at the really the beginning of a of a real fruitful journey called maturity in God so hey guys mm. just going to bring you in I, I I enjoy that uh, that that point that Gary made Uh, Gary, I'm, I'm so glad that you started with um, talking about 
suffering. Uh, I'm glad Pastor Nicky mm -hmm. brought us into that because I think one of the things we're going to talk about is is uh, the attributes of God is the goodness of God, and uh, you know, so so one of the immediate questions that comes to mind is is who caused COVID? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. is it, where where does that fit? You know, with the goodness of God and 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 how do you marry the goodness of God to, to suffering? Um, you, you, would that be a good starting point? Um, well, maybe if I just give a little bit of background for you, answer that, Gary, because okay. I was going to, I was going to go into the uh, the fact that uh, Pastor Gary is you are either in process or you have written a book on the attributes of God, and I, I was wanting to give a little introduction on that, and then we can go into the area of the goodness of God. So maybe Gary will go okay. straight there. Are you in process at the moment of a book, uh, and are you have you completed this book on the attributes? Yeah, I'm I'm in process. Um, Talking about the nature, the character, and the attributes of God, it's it's a big book. It's probably going to be six or seven hundred pages. It's it's more of a textbook in some ways, uh, trying to take, um, you, you know, uh, the scriptures talk about the you know the spirit uh, quickens in us the deeper things of God, and mm -hmm. so I'm going to take the deeper things of God and make them uh, pure and clean and simple and accessible. Mm -hmm. To somebody who's not been a uh, yeah. in the seminary, and you know they go like some of these bizarre attributes of God, you know, and ever since the the early church, uh, Saint Augustine and Anselm in the early church, they they began to label some of these attributes of God, and many of them we don't even talk about anymore today. There's a one called the aseity of God, the other is called the simplicity mm -hmm. of God, the immutability of God, the impeccability of God. These are words that. You probably won't hear in your church, even if you've been oh. in church for years. And yet classically, for about 2,000 years of history, until the last 60 years, all of these things were common knowledge to the church. So my goal is to reawaken some of the missing glories of God, the missing perfections of God, and see him in the bigger. I think today in the church, we're seeing God through the wrong end of the telescope. Mm. Look at him and... and and, and we see him as small and us as big. And that's why our worship services and our sermons are filled with a, a meology rather than a theology. Mm. Uh, it's, mm. it's all about me. Uh, Pastor, tell me more about me. What I, mm. And then I'm going to sing about me too. Uh, <laughs> bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Take me, Lord, into oceans deep. I will come <laughs> this with my head held high. Uh, send me thanks, Lord, and I will slay them. It's, it's a... Yeah, I call that meology, uh, and, <laughs> and so I, I wanted to write a theology book. Really, it's a theology book, but it's for uh, for everybody that's hungry for more of God, more of Jesus. And so, yeah, and and, and as I studied that, it, it really started me looking at the attributes of God, and um, and and that does you know kind of go to, to the question of His goodness as one of the attributes as well. You know, we could be here for. <laughs> if we just went on the attributes of God, and and so the book, I'm a year into it, and um, I've only finished two chapters, and it's going to be probably 20 chapters. So I'm going to be another two years probably writing it, mm. Lord willing. I, I don't know, you know, if the Lord wills, as James says. Uh, but uh, you know, it's been, and as I'm writing it, you know, it's interesting. I've written, uh, I think, three or four other books, but I've never written a book where. I am. Uh, I have a chair here to my left, and I got my Bible and my books, and I'm reading and I'm writing. And about every 20 minutes, mm. as I study these attributes of God, I have to stop, mm. and and I have to actually literally get on my knees and say, "God, oh. you're Hallelujah, you're overwhelming. Okay. This this wow. is not this is not intellectualism. This is not academics. This is a holy God beginning to introduce." Mm even in the most minuscule of terms, mm. introduce himself to a man who has somewhat known him for 40 years, but, but, but can still say with the disciples, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus, mm. have you been with me so long and you don't even know the Father? And I, I, that's my confession. I, uh, I'm reading this about you and I don't know you. I'm hungry for you. I want to know you, but I, I don't know you. I've been I've been hoodwinked by the world and, and obsessions with the world. I've been hoodwinked with the ministry and even saying, I want to drive myself to be successful in ministry. And now I, I hope I'm stripped to the degree of having almost nothing left in that world except saying, God, 
Praise God. He would every 20 minutes or so, as I, as I, my mind meditates on you in the word, mm. if you would please keep driving me to my knees so that I see this as worship. Yeah. yeah. Else. Uh, how, how bizarre would it be to see the magnificence of God's uh, grace, for instance, yeah. and just go like, okay, that's a good note. Let me write that down and not be awestruck by it, not be mm-hmm. smacked, you know, with it and to, to want to fall on your face. And so that I, I think if the church would get back to, you know, theology is theo is, is the, the word for God and ology is study. Mm-hmm. If we study God, then we'll get back to that. You know, Jeremiah 9.23 says, Let not a wise man glory in his wisdom or mighty man mm-hmm. in his strength or let, let not a rich man boast in his riches. Now, these are things that the world and to some degree the church is pursuing. And mm-hmm. yeah. the direction of Jeremiah was do not pursue those things. Do not seek those things. Do not boast even if you get those Probably. things. Mm-hmm. But he says, but let him that boasts boast in this that he knows me. He knows me. God of yeah. love and kindness and mercy and Brilliant. justice. So, so he just a few of his attributes. Where he said, you know, you got to know me, and, and a few examples, or here's a few samples of what I'm like: mercy, love, justice, goodness. Mm. And so that's knowing him is uh, just one more thing too. Knowing him, uh, there, there, there is a. If you were to measure knowing God by romantic emotional feelings, the church today would be a, on a on a scale of nine out of ten. Like, oh, you're so sweet and precious, and you, you know, like, I love you, or you're beautiful. Well, if you ask that person, why is he beautiful? What What is it about him that's beautiful? Well, he he loves me. Yeah, that's good. But what, <laughs> what is that love? You know, and so we know romantically a lot about Jesus. Um, again, going back to our worship services, there are a lot of talk about intimacy and pursuing. And seeking and being with you and, you know, um, in your presence. Well, but, but if you don't know what kind of presence you're in, your worship will be very yeah. different. Yeah. So, so I'm looking for a different kind of presence to know that presence. What, Praise God. What's behind the presence? Hmm. Beautiful. Hey, Hump. Yeah, no, I, I'm just blessed because I'm listening, Gary, and I, I just had that picture, you know, when David brought the ark back up and restored that proper worship of God and put him in his place. And, uh, you know, we are in need of that uh, coming from that place where we've been devoid of biblical truth. We've been living in such a low view of God's attributes and God's taken us into a higher view of his attributes, and it does inspire worship. And our knowledge, when we know God that way, it inspires worship. Sometimes people think, when you're talking about theology, uh, that's something meant for seminary, but we're all theologians. I mean, we all have an idea, or, or we all have a view of who God is. And uh, I think it's wonderful to hear, as you're writing this, it's like when David came up with the ark and he brought it up the right way, he took seven steps and and it wasn't, I don't think that was out of a legalistic way. I think it was out of a worship, like, God, you're actually, we're, we're, we're restoring something that's been lost and I'm overwhelmed and I'm blessed because we're, we're going from where this lower view of you had taken us as a nation into corruption, a corrupt priesthood, a corrupt worship, and we're restoring this back to the people of God. I think it's wonderful to make these realities, who God is, his attributes accessible to people, or it's not locked away in a seminary somewhere, studied the life out of it, but really bringing it in. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you have to share in your book. I've, I've caught a couple of your, your videos, um, you know, a, a couple of your, your talks with different people on, on different uh, attributes of God, but I'm, I'm just blessed listening to that, listening to, the journey that God has you on scripturally, because I think we have to come back to that. We what, what else do we have? But God's revealed word, and we need to build on that. And uh, as we do, as we do that, God's going to be faithful, and we're going to encounter God in Scripture, and mm-hmm. and uh, and know Him, and like you said, not just in our feelings, but but I think. And I'll close out with this. You know, we, we've been in this trap, I think, of our worship is just trapped in our emotions. And we've been afraid, even in Pentecostal circles, to delve into Scripture and, and really know God through the Word. Uh, and, and 
like in that sense of theology. But I've found even in my own life, the more I know about him, it just inspires my worship. It informs my worship and it builds such a depth of, mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of intimacy with God. So well done. Praise the Lord for that. Praise God for mm-hmm. what God's doing. Thank you, Hamp. And, um, you know, you touched on something there that I think is, is, is kind of the, the um, focal point or, or, or the measuring rod of what I'm studying. And it has to do exactly what you just mentioned, the, the low view of God or a high view of God. Uh, because we all know the attributes of God, but unfortunately, like A.W. Tozer is, is the one who's inspired me on this one. Uh, he's talking about the, the, the church has such a low view of God as it would be biblically unrecognizable. That's how low mm. of God is. Yep. And so we want the we want the high view of God in all of his attributes. Uh, and some people have a high view of God in some of his attributes. And this has mm. to do with uh, sort of, um, you know, circles or, or, or your tent you're in, what, what kind of covering you're under, the movement. Mm. And some of them have a high view of love. And, you know, they'll be just like all about love, grace, mercy. Uh, another movement will be all about judgment and justice and the wrath of God and flee from the coming judgment of God. And hell is, you know, and there's, they have a high view of the judgment and justice of God and a low view of the love of God. Well, if you have uh, one of the things I'm beginning to understand about God and his attributes, the, he, he has attributes only. This is going to sound strange. OK, he only has attributes in the way we perceive him. In himself, he is complete. He is whole. He is mm. he is all put together. He's not like like us. I have a little bit of love and I have a little bit of anger mm. today in my circumstances. Where where God is essentially is as he is himself. That's called the aseity of God. He's not put mm. together by parts. I got a little bit of love, a little bit of mercy, a little bit of wrath, a little mm. bit of grace. He is he is every. He's not having his attributes. He is his attributes. So mm. some of them are mentioned in scripture. God is love. He's not trying to be loving. He's not loving you when you're good mm. or not when you're bad. You know, he, that it's just who he is. He doesn't, and he's immutable. Another attribute, he doesn't change. So mm. you're not trying to convince him to be loving. Like you mm. might, with a, you know, some of you younger people that are listening, you know, younger people at, like Nick's age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I receive it. <laughs> you might still be courting somebody and you're trying to get them to love you by your performance. Well, you don't do that with Jesus. Your performance will never earn his favor. And so it's why, not because he has the attribute of love. That's how we receive it. That's how we perceive it in our in our finite mind. So an infinite God condescended in grace to say, I'll share these things and you'll see them as different attributes of me. But in reality, mm. it's exactly who I am. It's me. Mm. It's not just an attribute. It's me. I, I am that I am. Yeah. I am, I am just. I am mm. The light. I am love. I am uh, all these things is, is who he is. Therefore, you can't, they can't be lesser or more because it's the essential nature and character of God. It's not who he's trying to be. It's who he is, who he's been, who he's always, always will be. He's, he's the first, last alpha and omega, and he, he'll never change. So that's, that's, so for a high view of God, it's taking all of these things we see as attributes and saying each one of them in God is is who he is. So we have to honor that, esteem that, preach that, study yeah. that, own that in our life so that we have the fullness of God rather mm. than small parts that we want, uh, that we claim to be acceptable to our church or our movement. Mm. Uh, I think that's lovely because um, as you explore the attributes of God, you get to see his glory that there's there's something revealed of his glory and then because it's his nature you can trust him he's not going to change his, his nature's not going to change one day it is who he is that 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 is what he is um so we can we can we can we can put our trust in him completely we can put our faith in him uh, and never doubt that's right yeah it, it causes yeah. It causes such again going back to worship it's like that, that's a God that um, not deserves. That's not the right way of saying it. That's, that's a God that we want to worship. You know, he's unchanging. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's, he's unmoved by our doubt. You know, he's, he's still loving. He's still gracious. He's still yeah. 
while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. So he's not, he's not waiting for us uh, to become perfect before he is, before he is perfect to us. He is, he is always perfect. And even his wrath and justice are, are perfections. They're, they're not sort of sidebars that like, I really want to be loving and gracious and mercy, but occasionally I have to be wrathful and just and bring judgment. Um, so he is, um, th those are perfections and glories of, of God. And, you know, and so strangely enough, I don't know when I, I've last heard a song that say, you know, thank you, God, for your judgment. You know? uh, mm. But, but <laughs> you know, if God is good and, yep. and he's, and part of his goodness is his judgment, then, then thank you, God, for your judgment. When, when, when you, yep. he doesn't judge the believer as far as the wrath of God, or we're not under the judgment, the penalty of sin any longer. Has brought us out of that, but we're still under the disciplines of God, uh, which, which in a sense is part of His justness. And because He's just, He will discipline us, and yeah. uh, under the rod of correction, in order, and that's part of God's justice. And so we can thank God for His justice. And there, there used to be back in the 1500s, there used to be some songs about uh, the goodness of God seen in His wrath and in His justice. Mm. We've dismissed those now and considered them archaic. And, uh, you know, uh, mid medieval almost, but uh, I think they're good yeah. myself. Yeah, but yeah. I think your own battle hymn of the Republic, he has trampled out the vintage where the grapes of wrath have stored. You know, so well, I mean, there's, yeah. there's a yeah. lot of decoding there. You know, I mean, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I think I think they did have a greater grasp of, of these huge values of God. And we get, I think as we get better, a greater grasp of who he is, I think we have a more, a, a more, you know, when, he, when the scripture says, beholding him, you're changed from one degree of glory to another. I mean, mm. if we have a wrong view of who God is, yeah, you know, and, and, and his, his uh, particular his attributes, mm. I think it, it's going to reflect in a skewed view on how we relate to him and uh, mm. how we reflect him at that. Someone once said that old couples are married couples as the, the longer they live together and the, the longer they journey into old age together, eventually they start taking on similar attributes. This is what I was told, God help my poor wife. But anyhow, but you, you'll see you'll see Benny and Mary and they're 85 years of age and they're walking down the street and they're both kind of bent over and from behind you don't know which one is which. <laughs> and there's this sense of because, and even they take on slowly nearly attributes that make them look nearly facially the same. And scientists were saying that this is because they're together all the time and they're beholding, you know, something and they're being conformed to an image. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to stretch that to the whole way. Obviously, it's only a thought, but it's, it's, it's amazing when we do begin to examine the things that God has revealed about himself, mm. because we can't study anything of God unless he first of all chooses to reveal himself. So we can only... Theology is like the biggest oxymoron going, and the study of God is like a nonsense in itself. We can only study that which God has revealed about who he is. But in that, in that revelation, there is such an incredible blessing uh, that mm. I think that I think you're beginning to mine it back. You're beginning to see it. You're beginning to put it on paper for others to see again, because you're right. Going back 15th, 16th, 17th century, the great Puritan writers, great men of God, caught that we've lost it in some level by getting yeah. caught, up, caught up more on the emotional side of the love and, and the grace of God, but not seeing these phenomenal attributes that will shape us and will shape our worship and our protocol and our protocol with others. And I think also keep us circumspect because of our reverence for such a God. And I think, I think it's, it's epic to do it. You're doing 20 chapters. Do you see 20 attributes? Uh, because, I mean, when you look at it, some say, what are the top three, the top five? You know, mm. is, is, have, you, have you discerned 20? Is that where there's going to be 20 chapters? Or is, is it going to be? Uh, that's a, I love that. that. I absolutely love that question because that's been a, been, been a question I've been searching. To, you know, when you're writing something, you want to have somewhat of a decent outline. And so, you know, the... Um, Depend on who you read, you know, some of the some of those early Puritans said there were eight major attributes of God. Uh, some have gone mm -hmm. up to 20 or even 30. My favorite is a man named Farber, F-A-R-B-E-R. And he said, God is infinite, mm -hmm. uh, meaning immeasurable. Therefore, his attributes are infinite. And mm -hmm. so yeah. I've landed on that, that God has an infinite number of attributes. We only know about 30 of them. 
But when we get to heaven, he might introduce another 30 in the first few days, and then another 30 a uh, uh, thousand years later, then another hundred. Mm. You know, uh, so an infinite God has infinite perfections, infinite glories. There yeah. are things about God. Uh, you, you, know, you you were touching on something, Nick, that theologically and and in the study of the attributes is called the the incommunicable attributes of God, incommunicable, uh, meaning uh, attributes that. Um, we, we will never be like, I'll never be omnipresent, mm. uh, God being present everywhere at all times. So, so I agree with you, Nick, that, you know, the longer with him, the more we'll be loving, the more we'll be gracious, the more we'll be mm. merciful, the more we'll be patient, uh, the more we'll be kind, we'll have his attributes, those kind of attributes. Uh, but and those are called the imminent attributes, like the things that are communicable attributes. We can have those attributes ourselves. Mm. Uh, but but the transcendence of God or the, mm. the, the, the uh, there's another attribute called the incomprehensibility of God. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that's what yeah. you were talking about. We really can't know him as yeah. he is in fullness. We can only know little bits of him. And and so those incommunicable attributes that we will never be all powerful. We might have some power. We'll never be all powerful. We'll never be all knowing. We'll never be present everywhere at all time. We'll never be infinite. And so those are things that make us go, you're different than me, God. Some of the things go like, you're like me, God. I'm like you. We're, we're similar. We have intimacy. And that, that, that intimacy is precious. Yeah. And the other parts of the attributes of God are awe-inspiring. That, that's what inspires yeah. the, the Isaiah. Uh, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and the train of his mm. robe filled the temple. Uh, the word train there is the same Hebrew word for the Greek word in the New Testament where the woman touched the hem of Jesus' okay. garment. Mm, okay. So what, I, what Isaiah saw was not the whole train, like the, the train, like if, if you know, on the back of a woman's bridal dress. The, he didn't see the whole train. He saw the hem of the garment of that train, and it was enough to pretty much call him, knock him out dead. Uh, mm. So to me, those are the, the incommunicable attributes of God. How, how can he be the things that I could never, my mind could never grasp in an infinite mind? Yeah. How can he be yeah. eternal? How can he last forever? You know? And so in this process, guys, what I've come to is my haughtiness and my pride always tells me I am ascending to a great place of knowledge. Like, mm. like I, my, my hubris gets to the place where I go, these three guys here, they're going to really be happy to have me on today because I'm so brilliant. And mm. I, I'm going to say such great things today. My pride goes there. And what God does, man, he snacks me down and says, like, uh, so here's here's what I'm talking about. On a, I believe, believe that on a scale of 10, I'm up to a knowledge point of God of a seven. So I'm getting pretty good. And then all of a sudden God goes, no, you've got the scale wrong. I'm actually at 100. It's like, oh, no, I only know seven out of 100. Mm -hmm. Then I go up, okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm up to 70, God. I'm doing it. And he goes, no, the scale isn't actually 100. It's 10,000. Mm -hmm. And then it's a hundred thousand, and ultimately I go like I'm stuck at seventy, and what I've seen about God now is at mm -hmm. thousand, a scale of a hundred thousand. So I don't even, if you were to chart it, out, I wouldn't even be a dot. My knowledge would not even yeah. be a dot, and and yet right. he's infinite, and I'm gonna, and, and I'll know more about him, and I'm gonna keep seeking, and because of his graciousness, you know, Corinthians says, you know, the Spirit makes known these things. Uh, this yes. is the secret things of God. Yes. Now, you know, the Bible says that there's there's some things that God in his sovereign wisdom will has kept secret. Uh, but other things he has chosen to reveal. And we yeah. understand that it's that he's in charge of this um, journey that we're on. We are not. Our, our response simply is to be hungry and give him time mm -hmm. uh, in his presence so that he could download the things that he mm -hmm. wants to the mm -hmm. secrets to speak to us uh you know uh, again tozer says god speaks oh, listens to the woman who listens as well and so um yeah. you know those these attributes are things that he delights in letting us know about and uh sorry i'm going on some long answers there that's good no no you know when you, when you consider enormity of, of god yet his imminence and his personal approach to, to everyone in this world. I mean, the deist view of God, I think, is, you know, God kind of winds up everything, to, uh, but is not intimately associated to his creation or the universe. He kind of sits back in transcendence and watches from a difference. But yet the eminence of God, 
Yet when you start to find this incredible, eternal, unembodied mind, this incredible God that shows these awesome attributes, immaterial, no time, no matter, not an object, outside of everything that's created, yet the imminence of him to, to make himself intricately part of our life. That is the that is mind blowing, you know. I, I just think it's phenomenal because I agree. When when I start to read these things about the the, the attributes of God, they're, they're so far reaching, and I'm I'm with you on this. I think uh, I'm up to fifty out of a hundred, and then the scale gets moved right up here, you know. Or I write, or read some old uh, uh, theologian or some old uh, Puritan writer, I'm thinking, man, I still not even at five, but then you, know, uh, and yet you start to see other attributes that console you that you don't know all these things mm. about me, but one thing I want you to know, that I'm right there with you. I'm involved mm. in my creation. That's my imminence. I am, I am mingling in through this whole world. And I, I think that's a consolation that this incredible, unquantifiable God um, is here right now, even in the rooms with us today. It's a phenomenal thought, Christian. Amen. Mm. I can't agree more on that. that is, and, and having the fullness of what God wants to reveal as we welcome that with arms wide open, we, we don't get trapped in a, a, an unbalanced uh, relationship with God. Whereas, you know, some of the imminence that how close he is and how near he is, you know, it, it, but yet we also hold to the transcendence of God, that he is other than us. He's bigger, he's more grand and glorious. And so that causes both friendship with God and a God we can pray to and talk to and walk with. Uh, but also a God that we still keep in reverence and holiness. He's, he's, yeah. not, just, he's not, just not just daddy God we can jump up in his lap yeah. and tell, tell jokes with. Uh, yeah. he, he's a little bit more... Yeah, there's fire coming out of that throne as well, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just want to make sure you're not going to get singed with a bad moment yeah. of satire in the presence of God, you know? <laughs> yeah, holding those things in balance yeah. you know, are, yeah. is, is, uh, is, is part of the... You know, that's what God's doing by revealing Himself. He's holding us accountable in balance to His yeah. His tenderness and nearness, and His otherness and glory and grandeur. That is, uh, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. And your ways. Yeah, uh, but then also, mm. uh, I I I, I, do, I dwell in 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 heaven, uh, you know, in the thrones above. But I also dwell with the humble and lowly of heart. Well, God's yeah. talking His own nature and character there. I, I am both transcendent, full of glory and majesty and power beyond your wildest imaginations, but I'm also yeah. with the humble and lowly. Here I am, all of you. you know, like another hymn, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Uh, you know, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. It's, yes. it's, that, it's, that, it, it's a, you don't negate one for the other. No, you don't. You don't no, you own don't. one and reject the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sorry, think going, going back. Sorry, sorry going, going back to the Garden of Eden too, where where God created man in His image, and and how that in some small way we, we certainly as human beings have a have an ability to appreciate and relate to Almighty God because because of that that image, although it's distorted now through sin and all. I th I think there is that that desire within. Us, there's that calling out within us to to have uh, these wonderful attributes of God involved in our lives. But He's made us like that. He's made us with that yeah. appetite, with that ability to relate to, like none of none other of His creation. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Uh, unlike any other of His creation, uh, we have eternity put in our hearts, mm. and that is 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 that which causes us to, um, you know, seek seek Him out. And, and, and you know, again, you're so right by saying that you know, sin has marred that. And if we seek him out in our own strength, we will find absolutely zero about God. Uh, you, you don't find it by your intellect. You don't find it by your, uh, your just your own searches. You find it because he has chosen to reveal. Yeah. What we know about God is because he chose to reveal sure. it. And yeah. that doesn't negate or diminish our pursuit of God or our seeking him. Mm -hmm. But but we're seeking him through the spirit that had to be reborn because after the fall of Adam, 
the, the ability for man's corrupt mind. That's Romans 1 speaks very clearly about that. that you know, it, these things, the divine attributes, the, actually says not the, it doesn't say divine attributes, it says the divine power and the invisible attributes. Well, we're talking about attributes today. They're not really invisible to us. We've seen his love. We've seen his grace. Well, he's talking about the world there. He's, they're invisible to the world because their minds have been, they're suppressing the truth, even though it's evident to them. And so even though we're, even though uh, an un, un, someone who's not been born again is still created in the image of God, um, they, they're not able to, until the spirit uh, enlivens them, and then the spirit makes these things alive to us. Uh, but but there is that there is certainly a uh, we we are in the likeness of God. Now, can I just touch on one of the confusing things to a lot of Christians about we're created in His image? I had this conversation with some Christians my age, and uh, over dinner, and I brought up this subject, and not one of them did, agreed with me. But I'm sure you guys do. I, I would think you guys have been on it. Uh, but you know, they thought being created in this likeness meant that God had a body, that, that he was up there somewhere with hands and feet mm. and eyes and a nose and, and bowels and a chest and a heart. Uh, you know, but, but, you know, Scripture says God, Jesus said that God is, you know, Scripture says God is spirit. That's one of his attributes. He's, he's spirit. He's not flesh and bones. Jesus said a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. And that you know, Timothy says that he's invisible. And so, uh, it, you know, if if he had parts and he had human hands and feet, he would he would have to contain space. He would have to be contained because a body, by definition, uh, has a form, and a form, by definition, has uh, takes up an amount of space. Well, God is not only infinite, but He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times, not just in created order, but outside of created order. He He's just everywhere. There's no place He's not. In, in fullness, uh, and it's not like his love is on earth and his his wrath is in hell and his justice in, is on in heaven. Everywhere he is, he's all in. He's all every, together, all everything time. all together all the time. Yeah, and so yeah. Uh, so that that may be strange to people, but again, it's one of those things I think we need to understand about him in order for us to have a higher view of God. Not you know, Hampy talked about the low view of God. Would be he, you know, scripture says we thought he was just like us. You know, and now where I got, here's where I got the pushback on that in the, over that dinner table was, but it says his hand is not too short to save or his <laughs> eyes look to fro throughout the earth. Well, yeah. uh, just real briefly, there's, 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 uh, uh, there are words in English language. You know, for instance, I say, um, I went to the bank today uh, to deposit some money. And on the way home, I slipped on the riverbank and fell in the mud. Well, both words are bank, right? Uh, but they mean different things. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and and so a lot of words that we use about God, His hand, it means something different to Him than it does to us. His eyes mean His all pervasive knowing and seeing. Yeah. Uh, if He had physical eyes, He would be like us, limited to. Even though He might have broad peripheral vision, He would be limited. But He can because He doesn't have physical eyes. He mm -hmm. literally and see everything, you know, and that's that's one of the things I love about the omniscience, the omnisciences of God, you know, that he's, he knows everything because he is everywhere. He's everywhere present and he's seeing everything. And, you know, and I liken that to sometimes I go out in my backyard and I, and I look at the, the blades of grass, thousands of blades of grass, and, and every single one of those blades of grass has a direct connection to the sun when the sun is shining on it. And so I asked myself the question, how can God hear all our prayers at the same time? How can he be present to all of us at the same time? Well, he is bigger and different than the, we're, we're the blade of grass and his attributes of glory are much more magnificent than we would ever know. And so he can hear me the same time he's hearing you pray. He can be present to me while he's present to you. He can listen. Uh, that's because he's not contained like us in the smallness of our human frailty. He is he's bigger, he's greater, he's more glorious, he's more profound. Um, he, he just, you know, just, you can't, anything you describe of God with human tongue is finite and it will fall short of who he actually is. And so, you know, so he, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't have a body. Uh, he has much more than a body. 
and uh, that's called the uh, 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 analogical. It's it's we we see things through analogy, like his hand is okay. That means his his, his strong right arm means his that's that's the attribute of his power. And yeah. So, um, and so I think if we understand that that we're 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 seeing these things through the lens of our own finite mind, but on the other end, the one describing those things, what he's describing, we can't fully understand. So it's much bigger. So when he says he's powerful, we're not getting it all. We don't. You know, when he's saying he's loving, no. we get a lot of it, and it's beautiful. But we have no idea what that love is. And it's it's that's that's where it's, again it's just these perfections of God are amazing. Well, when the book is out, I'll buy the first one as long as you sign it for me, okay? <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's a timely book, and I tell you why. Um, for many of us ministers, uh, there's a generation that, that have that are coming into the kingdom now, and you know we take for granted that they know a lot of these um, revelations of the attributes of God in the Bible. When they don't, they have a they've got a few that they understand. Because um, I come from a originally Catholic background, which would have taught a lot of those attributes and other people from Protestant backgrounds, there's some sort of religious root there already. So when people became born again, they had a level of appreciation, uh, even though if they didn't understand them all, they, they had a reasonable sort of understanding to these, these transcendent value systems. And I think we're kind of, we, we need to construct that again with, for people so that they, they understand a little bit more fruitfully who they are engaging with and uh, and and thereby you know all the checks and balances will bring about a far greater experience in a christian walk um, and our knowledge of the lord god uh, so i think it's very important for us anyone watching today these are not um, academic points you know you, you want to go deep in the word there is a treasure trove and there is rewards for those who diligently seek him and that's a, a great thought for us to leave on. I am a reward of those yeah. who diligently and to, to look into what he's revealed takes a level of diligence and it's there for you. I mean, I'm not an academic person. Anyone who knows me, I am not academic. I think I was just going on 16 when I left school and, uh, and so became an electrician and reading and writing and arithmetic. None of that came easy to me. Still doesn't. Reading my Bible doesn't, I don't find that easy. I'm not like other ministers. They can, they're ferocious readers. I'm a kind of clever reader. Not to get out of jail card with that. But the reality is that we can, we can stop with our excuses and say, well, you know what? I need to start getting back into the book a bit more. Who is this God that is, that is revealing himself to me? So I think it's a timely yeah. book. Uh, we're looking forward to when it comes out. Gary, just before we leave you go today, um, just bring us up to speed with World Challenge. Give us a one minute on World Challenge. How are you doing as an organization? And, uh, you know, is there any prayer issues that you want us to pray for at the moment as well? And I just want to say an acknowledgement for those, for you, Gary, and, and those watching. World Challenge has been an amazing blessing here, not just globally, but to the Irish church um, yeah. and to, to the work here in Cork and also not just financially, but ministry pastor dave gary pastor carter uh, and all the, the ministry team here have all been over and continue to bless the work of god with ministry so we are very much uh, fans and and in debt to the work of world challenge but just bring us up a little bit where is it going at the moment and how can we pray for you gary yeah and if uh, just before i go there if anybody is wanting to take what we've talked about today and just sort of start mulling over it and digging into it uh, obviously, scripture is your starting place, um, and then, and then. But if you need a book to sort of um, give you some sparks that go like, "Wow, that 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 turns on a whole way of thinking about scripture now." So I'm, when I'm studying the Gospel of John, for instance, now I'm now I'm kind of looking through that lens of one of these attributes of God, and so a book I would recommend is by A. W. Tozer. That's I think the best starting place uh, called "The Knowledge of the Holy," and, and wow. I would get that. On online, or if you, if you do use it through your your iPhone or whatever, it's a it, it's a, you know I, I have books behind me that are you know 600 pages, and Tozer was able to say it in about 10 pages. You know, you just could you yeah, say things and clearly because uh, he like you and I, Nick. He wasn't an academic, and I'm not either. Um, you know, I, he never had a Bible degree or anything. You know, mm. he had some of the most profound knowledge, equal to. The great ones of history, <clears throat> and uh, yeah. but I think then we do need to do a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, you know, scripture talks about the diligence of study and the 
kind of it sort of paints a picture like you and I feel like it is naked. You know, it is it is hard work, but it is it's it, it is it is worth digging in. And so I agree. I think Tozer is a, a good place to start if you want to go uh, one step into something that's harder to read, a little more complicated, but nonetheless. Uh, it's one of those things I read 10 pages and I go, I have no idea what I'm talking about. What he's talking about. <laughs> Page 11 makes me again, like fall on my face before a holy God and say, God, I didn't know you. This, this is the most brilliant page outside of scripture that I've ever read. And, and that's a man named Stephen Charnock, C-H-A-R-N-O-C-K. Uh, and he has a book on uh, the nature, character and attributes of God. It's a two volume book. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the chapter there on the power of God uh, has totally changed my whole view of what the power of God is, what it's like, what its purpose is, uh, how vast it is. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's really incredible. You know, just real briefly, he just says, one of the things Tarnak says, if you were to get every bee that ever existed in the world and put all the power of the sting in that one bee and it stung you, you would be touched by power. Or if you took every lion in the world and put them in together and every single lion was combined into the power of one lion and that lion came and bit you, you would understand power. But he says mm. that the bee and the lion have no power compared to God's power. Mm. You know, that, so, so that gives you a little idea of, of what he's writing. Mm. And then I, we've talked a little bit about worship as well. And um, with your permission, pastors, I don't want to bring something to your congregation that's maybe you want to check it out first and talk about it next week. But I found a couple new worship sites that I think are, you know, um, if you don't mind me being straightforward here, some of the stuff today that's that's popular is really fluff and you know, barely biblical, uh, very emotional. And so there's a there's an organization called City Alight, C-I-T-Y, A-L-I-G-H-T, City Alight. And they have some of the most, you know, you, you think you're listening to Wesley's again, uh, writing old mm. hymns, Martin Luther. And uh, another guy named Matt Boswell. Uh, mm -hmm. and so check them out. They're on YouTube. They, they're on, you can buy their albums. Um, very well worth. I would, I would recommend anybody listening today, if you have any time today, uh, go to YouTube and, and, and download, uh, get some songs from City of Light. And before long, you'll be worshiping God like you've never worshiped mm -hmm. before. Uh, the challenge is, is still going on. Uh, 40, we are on our 50th anniversary. And my father started it. 1971, and uh, we're continuing our missions work. Uh, you can find out more about us at www.worldchallenge.org. We have a podcast called the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. A lot of our materials are available on, on their sermons, and uh, we're real grateful for our connection to Cork Church, to Nick Cassidy and you brothers on the team there. Uh, we are grateful for you all, and we've always loved our company there. Or when you come over to see us, uh, there's a camaraderie, there's an affinity. There's a, uh, a likeness of spirit. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a sense of brotherhood. And I don't say those things lightly or just to throw out compliments. Uh, those are heartfelt connections that World Challenge and myself and my wife, Kelly, have personally uh, with your families as well. And we look forward to when summer fire gets fired yeah. back up. We look forward to having you back, that's for sure. I hope you'll invite me back. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Oh, Next, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, listen, Gary, thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody that wants to know more, just get online, watch, see the work of World Challenge. Uh, you know, you can help it in its ministries. You can donate. You can pray for and uh, see what the Lord is doing for that great organization. We have just been one small portion of that that has been immensely blessed over the years. So it continues to be a great legacy and a great stream of truth and, and benevolence and, and helping church plants and helping existing works around the world thrive for the lord so god bless you that as you direct that and and our president of the world challenge and your the wife kelly you have to give salutations to her we love her she was my dad's favorite worship leader going back in the day <laughs> the number one fan over here and he, he's in heaven now and uh, and again to all your children elliot one of my favorite and evan of course i mean i got to know those two boys a little bit your other son annie got to know a little bit over the years as well I know you've got some grandchildren going on there as well. So I, I think your cup is, is getting quite full with the family and grandchildren. So bless you, my friend. Thank you, brothers, for joining me today, Hamp and Steve as well. Yeah, God bless and, you, uh, Gary. Just, God bless you. Just lovely. God bless Thank you, you Gary. Sir. Yeah.
And thank you everyone for watching again. So like and share and 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 join this lockdown. Just remember, we started out talking about dealing with disappointment with the attributes of God. And if you want to get away with this, away from your disappointment and fear, look up, see who it is that loves you, delve into what is revealed about Himself, and your faith will grow. You're, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it is true. I think He said, "Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim." You'll begin to see a whole different shift. Your eye and your gaze will be on someone who's the author, the finisher of your faith, and He's got you in the palm of His hand, not like my hand. In his wonderful hand. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today for Streams in the Desert. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com. Or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.